This week's episode is brought to you by winning. You know, winning, the thing we're not very good at, but is objectively good. Winning. If we were good at it, we wouldn't have a podcast. I'm Atlas. I'm Matt. You could at least try to be a little more racist. I don't know if that sounded any better, but... <laughs> why, I had why to are pull we out of my ass really quickly. I'm Root Beer. <laughs> and Proof is here. Welcome back to Living Proof. Uh, so it's my, it's my once a year uh, foray into Nexus and Night Channel. Hey, you, you want to... Okay, I know you're still mad at me for leaving you out of the Destructive Roar episode and everything, but like... <laughs> I'm never gonna live it down. I never will, because uh, that's how life Forever. works. Forever bit Happens. Happens. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, uh... We're, we're, this is gonna be a little bit of a different type of episode uh, of Nexus at Night. We're starting this little, like, mini-series uh, of... I'm going to call it premium profiles, for lack of a better placeholder. Um, because on this show, we mostly have been focusing on the standard format since the reboot has come out. And we haven't really looked at premium at all. And, uh, well, there was the ARG National Tournament this weekend. And, uh, Proof, why don't you tell us what happened? Well, I went in and after a tough series of games, I ended up claiming the whole thing. <laughs> by the grace of God, that's that's mainly what that was. By the grace Pretty of strong f- football. So pro- proof, you, if if so, what you're saying is you won, you won the ARG national tournament. Yes, I am for 2018. I am ARG's national champion for Car Five Vanguard. Would you say that you got him? What? Say that I what? Would you say that you got him? I say that I got him. Got him. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I just like the idea of like you winning and then like good game and you just went got him right. and stand up. So before leave. this ARG Nationals thing, I was like, well, Proof will 100% make day two. Like there was not a doubt in my mind. We all knew Proof would make day two. And I was like, there's like a real good chance he makes top eight. And that's about as far as I got. <laughs> you guys had more faith than I did. <laughs> I had so many mental roadblock curses built up over the years of tournament failure that i was so afraid that when that situation popped up i was like oh this is the time i want to catch this l out of nowhere i'm gonna just forget forget how to play my deck i'm gonna misplay and then bad luck happens and then i lose and then i'm sulking home upset yeah right (laughs) i mean like but you didn't and you you made it like see winning tournaments takes a lot of luck that's for sure oh yeah We'll we'll get into that. I'll yeah. definitely tell you my my lucky experiences. <laughs> but yeah, so like, and because the ARGs were premium and not standard format, I feel like this is a good way to kind of segue into this type of series where we'll we'll kind of like the clan analyses that we've done, you know, you know, forty plus episodes ago at this point. I don't know when the last one was. Uh, we're going to be covering the Vanguard clans one at a time and how they function in premium. And for each episode, we're going to try and have a guest who knows a lot about that clan. Um, and we're going to start with uh, with Spike Brothers, because, you know, Proof fucking won the ARG, so it's a good, pl- <laughs> good place to start. Good timing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, i got to keep my once-a-year schedule going, Nami. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, do you want to come on more? Because that's uh, we can definitely arrange that. Oh yeah, as long as it fits into my schedule, um, I'm always down to come on and chit chat with people. Hell yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll have them kick me in the teeth more because uh, I tend to get tunnel vision a lot. So, and then <laughs> I'll Matt, do it. I understand. Matt and uh, Matt and root beer keep me keep me simple, sane, whatever. <laughs> keep you grounded. Yeah, exactly. Who uh, knows what we doing otherwise? um yeah so uh why don't we start off with uh like spike brothers at like how did the what builds can you do in premium format realistically so my thinking and it's pretty much just just basing it off of car knowledge and expectations i think there's three principal builds you can kind of go to in um in a higher level archetype type of thing. The first one is the standard plus deck. Is that, that's what I like to call it. So you pretty much take a standard deck with the, the new stuff you were gifted in um, V. Uh-huh. Is it V? V, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, pun not intended. <laughs> <laughs> and so you, you take that, and then you pretty much just take out a couple cards here, add in pieces of from G to make it a a stride-enabled deck, and then you kind of go from there. And that's the build that I played this weekend. And then there's also a modified Hellheart 8 deck, where you take some of the standard pieces that are good, such as Spike Bouncer, which works very well with Hellheart 8 on four circles, and you kind of tailor the deck to get to GB8 as fast as possible, like the old playstyle for Spikes was. And then the other one is the Bad End deck, which is very explosive and very scary if it works, but it has a tendency that it, it can miss because of it being a more, I want to say, deliberate combo, if that makes sense. Like, the pieces mm-hmm. you need are more specific. But if it works, you can double break ride with two gift vanguards, a.k.a. General Safery, most likely. And the way it works is that they ride together as long as you meet the condition for the double break ride. And you get two gifts on top of getting bad ends double break right power. So depending on how you distribute your markers, your your all your units can be attacking for plus thirty for that turn, which is very scary because the standard spike engine is very aggressive to put your opponent at high damage in the first place. That last so those are the, sorry. Oh you're fine. I was gonna say that last one seems like it's almost counterintuitive because you uh, like all the standard stuff wants to stay on the field until your next turn, right? Yeah, like definitely, like, like your Bracky, your Juggernauts, they like they like to be on the field because they're beginning the main phase skill. You just shove it into your soul and search out a fresh copy, which uh, deck thins for you and shuffles your deck up, which is very nice. Getting a, a nice free shuffle in, and the bad end deck definitely plays against that, but on the Plus side, you only need to stride one time, most likely, and then you win the game. <laughs> or at least do better. <laughs> <laughs> but the the reason I didn't take either one of those decks with me is because I didn't have as much faith in them, mainly because of lack of testing that I could fit in into my schedule. And I just didn't want to take a deck that had a tendency to maybe whiff on me and just play a, a standard consistent game because that's what the standard stuff gives spikes is a nice consistent early game option mm-hmm. I like how that was a worry and yet the guy you played in the finals was playing Gize as the 
which, which is oh. like, if I hit no triggers, I lose. So right, and that's where Bad End would have shined, <laughs> <laughs> or a dedicated Hellheart Eight deck. Who knows? So the the Bad End thing seems like almost kind of a meme because uh, how do how do you do the double break ride thing anyway? Because Good End Dragger was at end of battle. He goes to yeah. his own. But I uh, can't remember. It's um. You- Oh, you can, go, you can go ahead, Matt. Uh, Counterblast 1, put a card from your hand into soul. Uh, search your deck for two grade 3s. Call one of them to an open rear guard. This is important, by the way. And then ride the rest as stand. At rest. If you, at rest. But if you have... Or sorry, at rest, my bad. But if you have no open rear guards, they just both go to your vanguard. Yeah. And so if you have a bad end on your vanguard circle... They both ride together. At so, the same time. So it activates mm-hmm. the ride condition for limit break or break riding. And twice. then you and then at the resolution step, bad end was written twice, so he distributes twenty K power because it's a red text continuous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You choose, when you ride two units at the same time, you just pick one and that one's your vanguard. Yep. The other one so just goes in the soul. And then you just ch- on resolution, pick your vanguard. Well, the only one you got, bam, did it. And then two instances of a bad, bad and be it written, and then boom, double break, right? And, and yep. do you get two gift markers if you pick two gift? Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. So that's... They, they, they still ride, but they, one goes to soul because of overloaded units, but yeah. it was still considered riding on the vanguard. Gotcha. And then the, so that is, you know, 20k to everything on your board. And then also two gifts, so that's that's possible, like, 30, 40K. Mm-hmm. Yep. You can have one side be 20K, one side be 40K, or you can have both sides be 30K. And with the way that some of the cards work, they're enabled by your units returning back to deck, which is doubled up by the fact that bad end returns them back to your deck after they battle, or attack in this case. And so you can use your mecha instructors and your mecha advisors and whatnot. It's very it's very nasty if it works. It's just that there's that chance of whiffing which scared me. <laughs> how, and there's the oh how do you whiff? Uh, you whiff by not getting your combo pieces because oh. you need you need an enabler for um, so you need a mecha instructor, or you need mecha advisor, to, which is the the G starter that came in the, um, the tech booster. You need him to be around, or if he dies, you need your backup in, um, advisor, or you need a mecha instructor. Otherwise, you can't get your multi attacking off. And then you need to either be at four damage, or you need the limit break enabler, which could whiff or not. And then you just need to have aggressive pieces to take advantage of being called out. It's like Tachi. Like new Tachi, where you you have like the enablers, then you have the stuff that gets the gauge for you. But if you miss on either half of that, you kind of have a deck that kind of muddles in the middle. Yeah, same same philosophy there. Makes sense. I don't know. I don't know why I'm so interested in this. I just love the idea of being like, all right, double break, <laughs> double break, right? Because it's flashy. It is flashy. <laughs> it, it is that. It is very flashy. It's like, and you have the a, games where you just don't find. Uh, Bad end, and you're like, mm-hmm. well, if you don't if you don't hit bad end, do you have to play a standard game, kind of like how yep. my deck would play? But the difference is that you now have these four bad ends in your deck that don't give you a gift marker. 
<laughs> and also, don't get like a bunch of power and you know. And our yeah, so base. So then you you took up like seven spots in your deck because of the the level break enabler for this specific combo. Then you kind of whip on it and then you feel bad. Because then those bad ends could have been more juggernaut maximums because you have to cut maximum to make space for the bad ends. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And then what about the the Hellheart Eight uh, Hellheart Eight Rush? What's uh what stopped you from playing that? Uh, when I I tried it in testing over a very limited number of games, I, I played it five times on CFA just to get a feel for it, and not one time was I able to get the the Hell Heart Eight on second stride going, even with the increased consistency that's offered from Gary Gannon. So I was like, if I'm whiffing here in five games, what's my chance of it getting it in real life? So I was like, I don't feel comfortable going this route. That's fair. Yeah. I think in longer events, the more consistent routes will generally pay off. Oh yeah, definitely. And But on the plus side, testing out the bad end deck allowed me to see what Mecha Instructor could do in the context of the standard stuff, because plot twist, I did not at all use the bad end double break ride in testing, because I always whiffed on it, <laughs> so I had to, play the, <laughs> had to play the standard game, but I had these instructors in there that were doing nothing otherwise, so I was like, let's see what I can do with these, and then I saw um, the Picaro sequence with the dancing maximum and whatnot, so I was like, oh, these, this is pretty good, so that's why you saw me share the rainbow list on the chat and hype that up a lot. Um, to, to those who don't know, Mecha Instructor is uh, a stand trigger that we I think we all slept on for a long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've, I'm sad I slept on that one as hard as I did. So wh- what does it do to the people who don't know? So he's a charge unit uh, stand trigger. He says when he returns back to the deck, he doesn't need to be charging, which is why it works with bad end. When it returns back to deck, you put a card from your hand into the soul, and then you choose one of your units, you bind it, and then you call it to an open rear guard circle. And what that does is that since it can't since it's a, a grade zero, it can boost something that's very high powered in the front row, such as Juggernaut Maximum uh, V series version, where it can attack for like thirty or twenty seven to thirty seven or plus, depending on triggers and force circles, and then it returns back to deck, you resolve a mecha instructor, you bind the maximum he just boosted, and then you call it back out to the same circle it was just on. So then Juggernaut Maximum says when he's placed, he gets plus 10,000 power to the end of turn. So then he becomes a 23,000 or higher beater, and then you hit your opponent with it again. And then you can repeat that if you have other mecha instructors on the board because of Picaro or Agrius or what have you. Mm-hmm. It seems like Adrigus also had like more usage in uh, you know post reboot than it did with uh, with G uh, with the G support. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely aided by the free power that units get when being placed down, like the Maximums, the Brackies, and the Wonder Boys. And it was also aided by um, the Force Gift, just allowing units to hit for an extra ten thousand power helped out a lot there. So you no longer need to worry about having a specific charge unit that gained plus 5,000 while charging to do something. And then you didn't lose the unit afterwards either. Right. 
So Agrius got a very helpful <laughs> gift, no pun intended again, <laughs> by V coming around. At, at a certain game. point, just intend the puns. It's going to happen anyway. <laughs> it just kind of just flows out of me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so with uh, with the kind of, you know, what would you call it, standard plus? Yeah, I call it the standard plus deck. So what's uh what what new toys do you have with uh all this V series stuff combined with the strides of uh the G zone G series? You mean like uh little combo things that can be done? Yeah, like neat little tricks or uh stu- stuff that like helps you survive in a landscape full of you know Ange and OTT so, and all this other so stuff. The biggest the biggest thing is that the early game for spikes that was once non-existent became one of the best in my opinion in the game in terms of consistent power and aggression that could be put out probably rivaled by royal paladins at the current moment just because of we're, we're missing aqua force and stuff but being able to ride spike bouncer which is his on his skill says when he's ridden or when he's placed which is including vanguard you can counter blast one, soul blast one, look the top cards of your deck equal to your Vanguard's grade, call one, and then put the rest to the bottom. So when you ride him and you do the skill, you look at the top two, and the chances of you seeing uh, a Bracky, a Juggernaut, a Panther there are pretty darn high to where you can land it, and then you have a, a 20k Bracky that comes at your opponent's face, which needs a new trigger to stop it. Or you have to worry about a 20k attack coming at you on turn two. So, and then you have like Gary Gannon, which can put on hit pressure on your opponent and then filter your hand out for more units to continue your aggression. So, just like a little knickknacky things that add up. And then once you begin to stride, you have Agrius, which guarantees you five attacks if you have the means to use it with the free power from your four circles and your brackies and whatnot. So it's like a consistent engine of power that makes it annoying for your opponent to deal with. I think one of the best, or the kind of the, a very like important interaction with Agrius is that it gives you an out to drawing uh, your analyzers. Or, sorry, instructors. Yeah, because you can place them down as a booster, then you can bind it with Agrius and call it back out as charge, and then you can resolve the charge ability, or you can resolve his ability as he's charging. Right, Which, and the only other way you'd have to do that is... If you happen to play Supernova, or you play Picaro to call it out. Very limited other means. Or that really bad Fighters Collection card, whose name I forget. Oh, Tiger Centurion. Yeah. <laughs> It's like Heavy Chariot or something like that. The car is all like... so dude, bad. I actually thought about it just because uh, it gives power, but a plus 2k power boost is so bad that <laughs> it's not worth it. <laughs> Alright, would like, you play the original Susana stride? The one that gets like plus 2k to field and has some on hit? No. I mean, <laughs> on hit draw, pretty good. Pretty well, good. got him. <laughs> <laughs> it was like on hit. Look at your top two. Pick one, it's put the other at the bottom. Marginally better than a draw. <laughs> I feel like if this if that made it like everybody on hit, it, w- it would be less crappy. But it was from first set. Who knows? 
There was set five, uh, my dude. Yeah, that was set five. Was that, stride that was, was awful. That was GBT five. Yeah. God, OTT is garbage. <laughs> I know it was garbage for so long. Why are we even talking about OTT? Oh, right. Because because it, it got the <laughs> second like place and pro- proof fucking beat it in two out of three games. That's why we're talking about it. Man, yeah, started we'll with get... Tiger Centurion, and then we somehow we'll get got that later. Right. There's a, a nice rabbit hole there. Yeah. Um. So what, yeah. Kind, what kind of stuff did you uh, like end up facing during the uh, the first rounds of the tournament? Like, how many rounds were there? First off, so Swiss was seven rounds, and then um, top sixteen cut made it to day two. So what what was your first what was the Swiss like? So actually I did write notes on this, but I think I can do it from memory pretty decently. Oh, you got notes? That's more prepared was, than it, we will ever be. Uh, it was yeah. it was mainly just the round order, but uh I think I got it on lock. So my first round opponent was OTT Geese. <laughs> Wait, was this the well. one you played in the fi- in the finals? No, it was a it was another girl named Sarah. She brought it. I think she was one of her Mike, who I played in finals, and then I think one other person brought the deck, and two of them made it to top sixteen. So and she was I, one of them, I believe. Yeah. So I I played like a top sixteen gambit right out the gate, pretty much. And coming into the tournament, I had no idea that this deck was a thing. I didn't know that it was even talked about. I heard zero rumblings of Guise decks until the day before I was going to make the drive down with my wife to um, Pennsylvania. I was like, Guise what? Like, yeah. like I, only, only, only thing I knew about Guise was no CL Guise from before the rotation. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I knew about that and then like I think a couple of Luard people and then that was it. And Yeah. OTT. So, like, what, what what was that like the first round? It was hell. That's what it was like. <laughs> <laughs> it was a 45-minute game one. That's how long it went because every move was very deliberate. I had no idea what I was doing because I had, I've had i never faced this matchup before. So I was, I was learning as I went, and I was, I was like, okay, trigger power doesn't matter. So my thinking was, as I did in the finals, was try to be – more aggressive to push the issue because I didn't want them to be in a position to slow play and get all their geese triggers off like stacked up on their terms so if they hit it on my turn I was fine with it but I just kind of just didn't want to press the issue Mm. and or I didn't want to press the issue and I didn't know how to play it per se so and the details are kind of fuzzy but I believe I did do the double up force marker like I did in the finals because I was just trying to learn it as I went. And it came down to her being on geese and she, I was still at zero because she played very defensively and always attacked my rear guard, similar to what Mike did on stream. If you watch the stream playback Mm -hmm. and she hit me, she, she got to geese. I did my turn. I got smacked for five, and I hit, like, three heel triggers in a row, which was the things I was looking for. I was like, come on now. So she couldn't hit me, but she still triple drove, so she had more cards in her hand. And my last turn was another Agrius play, similar to um, to what I did in the finals. 
and the only difference is that my deck was so low from the game going so long that I momentarily turned Spike Brothers into Sukiyomi because <laughs> I chained um, Gyro Slinger. So Gyro Slinger is a grade one version of Spike Bouncer, kind of, sort of. The difference is the cost is that it's not a counter blast, soul blast cost. You put a card from your hand into the soul when he's placed. And what I did was that I called it out um, from my hand naturally. I resolved the skill because my hand was butt and I there was I needed more aggressive targets to hit. So I, I checked the top four. I called one. Noticed that I had a couple of triggers there. Put them to the bottom of the deck. And then I did Agrius turn. Uh, did his skill. I called Jowlsinger back out. I resolved Jowlsinger again. So I checked the top four one, one more time. So at this time, I put six cards to the bottom of my deck and forced them up to the top because that's how low my deck was. And she counted my my visible triggers and she guarded for a two to pass. And I flipped one or she guarded for a one to pass, I think. One or two to pass. Either way, I did my top check, and thanks to Gyro Slinger being a boy, I hit my tr- enough triggers to pass through her guard, and I hit her for the six damage, and she didn't heal, so I won. And then after that, we were shuffling up for game two, got to Pulse Mulligan when time was called, and with ARG rules, you go zero, one, two, three. And since I won the previous game, she had she was given the choice, so I went first, so I was turned zero. And me going first against a Geese deck means they can never hit me because all I need to do is drop a single card to guard because trigger power doesn't matter. And I had a very aggressive hand. I put down, like, a rogue bouncer, called Bracky, called Panther, hit her for three damage, and then she was turned three, and then she had one attack, and her hand was a fistful of grade three that she couldn't use. So I took it 2-0, one of which was in time. Got him. Nice. (laughs) That game was stressful. I was like, I don't know what I just faced. I don't know what I did. I don't know how I won or why I won. I was a I was a confused mess, and I just hope mm-hmm. I never saw Geese again for the rest of the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. And then, so round two was against Kagero, which was or is a known Spike bad matchup, but now kind of better now that the standard stuff is out. And my opponent was playing um, New Overlord for Force plus the Destiny because the Destiny is still an insane card to use. Yes, it is. <laughs> and game one, I took it with standard Agrius beats. Like, I just put on, put too much pressure on him. And the way that Kagura was currently built, at least that it has been, it might change going into the future, is that their only means of retiring is either... Berserk Dragon, the new Berserk Dragon, and the Destiny if they play it. So that gives me they that gives them eight cards to stop my aggression before they can strike. So I was able to use that to my advantage. And that's what I did game one. Game two, he went first. He got a, a force marker on his Vanguard, hit a critical trigger on Overlord, restood it. I had to use a PG, use way too many resources, and then I died soon thereafter and then game three was kind of a repeat of game one uh my opponent um he used new or he used old conroe 
but he used it to either find a PG or he found new Conros to fill his deck out for more overlords. He never used it to get a heal trigger for denial um denial for, Griffin. Right. For so I was like, oh. Ultra chicken. <laughs> so I was like, all right, cool. So we'll see what goes with this one. And I was able to force my way through with um just good beats and good power, and I claimed that one in three. But I don't want to. I don't want to take triggers out of my deck. <laughs> Even though you could set up for like extra drive checks and stop well, combos and purge things, right? So I was like, "That's fine. Uh, I, I'll take, I'll take, take them as they, as they come, I guess." But I knew if he at all had a chicken in his hand, I was in more trouble. But I also tried to set up formations to play around it. Which for Agris, you mean that means calling out a fourth card onto your board. So mm-hmm. what you'll do a nice front row, a nice two units in the front row, something in the back to boost one of your units, and then you have a fourth unit somewhere in the back row. And if they just use chicken, out. huh? Just hanging out. Yep, just hanging out, just chilling. Like he like just back there supporting. He's a cheerleader for that particular <laughs> moment in time. <laughs> And then anybody else imagining Juggernaut Maximum with pom poms? Nope. Just you. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason you do that is because if they use um, if they use chicken, I call the I call the now Griffin chicken. So for for those that are unaware, if they have chicken, they'll if they use it, then you can just bind the Juggernaut Maximum and call it back to the front row, and you still have your two attacks. If they wait to use it after you resolve Agrius, you still get off four attacks. So either way, that's the goal, to get off as many attacks as possible. And the card you commit, um, that fourth card gets drawn back because Agrius <laughs> is the boy. Is the boy. <laughs> yep. There are so many things that are the boy. Gyroslinger, I actually Agrius. like just forget that it says draw a card on it somewhere. <laughs> I... <laughs> It, it that doesn't. It's just like tagged on there for some reason. It feels weird. Yeah, and I got I got random nicknames for a lot of cards. Wonder Boy's the bread. Uh, <laughs> Bracky Bracky's the bunny. Bouncer. He doesn't have a nickname yet. I haven't thought of one on the fly. Juggernaut face. <laughs> <laughs> Juggernaut is jugs. General Safery doesn't have one yet, but he's pretty much just Safery. I was going to say the general is pretty good. The general, uh, so many syllables for the best low rate you can get online. Go to the general and save Please some time. Please stop. <laughs> We're not even sponsored. Can you believe that? I know, right? What a shill. <laughs> I don't even have the general. It's just puns. Um. <laughs> Oh goodness! So that's let's say that, that puts me at two zero, and round three, I face OTT Geese again, which was the first <laughs> round again, or the first game that I've had against Michael, who I faced in the finals. Uh, same same story, different match. Had no real idea what I was doing. All I know, I don't remember game one that well, but. Game two, I claimed it with a double force circle plus Hellheart eight, which kind of sounds familiar. Um, and I really had no clue what I was doing either. Just the the matchup is kind of so free flowing and awkward that you kind of 
play each one differently as they come, and I've yet to figure out a clear pattern to go against them. I think it varies by how much uh, they trigger in the early stages yeah. of the game, from what I could tell. Yeah, because on one hand, it's like, oh, they left this card on top. It must be a trigger. Do I attack their rear guards if they have them? Because a lot of their units, a lot of their stacking comes from grade two pieces. Sometimes it comes from grade one pieces. So those grade two pieces need to attack to do their thing. So they'll be sitting on the front row. So it's kind of like, do I have the time to prevent this one card trigger potentially to attack their rear guards and not develop damage on them? And that's the big dilemma that I faced often when I'm facing these these decks. Do I care or do I have a healthy respect for that card they left on top to honor it and give it to them? It's like a chess gambit kind of sort of. Do you accept this gambit and give them the, the damage? Or do you decline it and attack their rear guards because there's pros and cons to each one of them? I mean, I have it. You you make it sound like I'm smart enough to win at chess. So. <laughs> <laughs> but are you smart enough to draw at chess? I remember, I, I, like after when I was in elementary school, that there was an after school chess club, and like one day a week, I wasn't gonna be able to be picked up for like two hours. So I, I'm like, you gotta do something. So I tried chess club, and I was just so fucking terrible at it. Like, fourth grade me just getting my ass handed to me every week. Nice. I I enjoy chess concepts. And, like, there's there was a time I would just sit and watch um, chess videos about different high-level games and stuff like that. I might get back into it just because I enjoy chess as a game. I don't want to play it, but I enjoy it on a conceptual level. I mean, worst-case scenario... <laughs> Like every computer has chess on it, and like you don't. Or mm-hmm. and, and it's a phone app now too. Actually, yeah. download the little chess phone app and play that for like a couple weeks at a time, on and off. Nice. Nexus at night, the chess podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up I ended up beating Michael two uh, zero somehow. Still can't remember how all that happened, <laughs> and that put me at three and zero going into round four. And in the back of my mind, I was like, I was just trying to tell myself to stay focused, like keep playing your games out, take it slow. Keep if avoiding you need OGT to. games, <laughs> <laughs> right? <But laughs> Don't want to run into that. It seems like like something like you said, you just didn't think about it, and you ran into it twice, and we're only three rounds in. Exactly, and it's kind of you just have to learn as you go, and that's pretty much all I was trying to do. I was just trying to just gather as much information as possible to figure out how to play this deck, because I figured if I'd seen it twice this early, I would see it more later <laughs> down the road. So uh-huh. I wanted to have, have a better idea of how to approach it. I think the reason and, you probably didn't think about it was, one, Geese was introduced so late in Jira that people just kind of like, like, oh, I'm, I might think about doing it. Oh, Jira's over. Now we're waiting on the reboot. Who cares? And then <laughs> it was partially that and partially because, like, to play Geese has such a high financial barrier of entry where you've got to yeah. buy the Geese pack where, with, uh, you know, get a hold of it with all the Xeroth Dragons, and it's, I mean, just, it's very expensive. So? What? I mean, so? I don't know. Like, like it's not something someone's going to go, I'm going to give this a try. You know what I mean? Like, Right. They're going to have it anyway. Or know somebody who has it and just borrow all the stuff. 
Yeah, or proxy it. But I, I, I think the combination of the two uh, just made it something that we're all... Holy shit, Jesus, $9. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus is not the expensive part. Yeah. A lot of things depreciated once the reboot hit because everyone thought their G it's cards would be worthless. All of the other garbage that's expensive. Well, let's True. see. All so, the, the five, especially if you go Mogi, though. Yeah, uh, what is it? Uh, you just not play that one. So why would you not play it? Oh yeah, my Zoe, god. Zoe is $35. Uh, Stark is. Let's see. Load, please. Stark is $40. Okay, yeah, got it. That's why it's so expensive. Cool. Right. Uh, <laughs> so anyway. So, what does that leave us? That round, four? Seven, round four. Round four, I played against uh, Royal Paladins, um, Blaster Variant, of course, with uh, all the nice little V-tricks that came with it and the G-busted stuff that goes along with it. Triple V and stuff. Yeah, so he played Bartgle. And Barkle gave him a free unit because, for whatever reason, they made Flogel a crit trigger now. So now they can just play 12 crit freely Yay. if they so choose. So, um, round one, uh, I think I went first. No, I went second both of these games. He Round one, he tried to go with, the, if I remember correctly, the Blaster Critical, uh, Blaster Blade Crit. Thanks to Flogel getting him two free cards, so he only had to commit one card out of hand outside of riding to get the crit active. So that was fun. <laughs> but um, me going second and having Spite Bouncer meant that I was able to um, put out a counter offensive. So I was able to either put the pressure on him and get his damage higher while having the first stride option, or I could chop down his rear guards. I chose to go with the, I'm going to ignore all these things and be aggressive and set up for Agrius, which is what I did. So he he rode to grade three, um, Alfred Early, and used the skill to get Blaster Blade. And then he called Tarnas out and got some more four circles going. But then I was able to survive that because he missed on um, Blaster Friend Flogel. So his Blaster Blade wasn't as threatening as it could have been. And using the Tarna sequence left his hand a little bit lower and without the G-guards and the, the heel triggers. So Agarus was able to put enough pressure on him to where he was depleted on resources. And I took out Blaster Blade in the process that I was able to survive his um, his Gansalot turn. And I finished off with a second Agarus or Picaro, one of the two. And then... He went first again in game two, and it was kind of a repeat, except he missed on Blaster Blade. Um, no, no, no. I'm sorry. He he had a superior ride in the Blaster Blade, so he didn't have the free cards from Flogel. So, oh, his, wow. so his offensive was much lower than it was beforehand, and I was able to ride out the advantage from Ganon and Spike Bouncer and Brackies and whatnot, and Agrius claimed another one. So I, I got that. Got that one 2-0 as well. So at this point, you're 4-0. 4-0. Lost one role. game. Yeah, a, the rare roll. <laughs> at this point, you got to start feeling yourself, right? I was feeling nervous. That's what I was feeling. <laughs> 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 because, for, for you guys don't know, I had like a nice little series of curses that I 
thought there was just monkeys on my back that I could not get, shake off for big tournaments. Like what? And so there's the there's the table one curse, which is whenever I'm at table one, I lose. <laughs> there's there's the stream curse, which is whenever I'm on stream, I lose. Well, there's the thank God you're oh, not go. on the stream for most of this. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, and then there's also the the last round win and end curse, which is every time that I've been on the bubble, something ha- something has gone wrong where either me or my team has lost and we missed out on top cut because of that. That's happened in like four or five, con- yeah, four or five consecutive tournaments, big tournaments that I've been to, where I bubbled out and was like the first person out or missed the win and end round and ended up missing the top cut for that. Rip. And then I think there's one more curse, but those are the main ones that I had in the back of my mind going into this. I've I never went so long without losing in a big tournament, so this was all new to me. Mm-hmm. I was like kind of I didn't want to blow it and hype myself up only to get terrible hands and then come crashing down back to earth really hard. <laughs> so yeah. Man, I did my like, best to you're, huh? you're, you're you're like the the complete opposite of like a Shakespeare character. <laughs> <laughs> or, or like a Greek play character, just like okay, I know shit's doing really well for me, but like, gotta be careful. Yeah, I've I've had a, I've had many years of built up disappointment to <laughs> keep me grounded. <laughs> so we get to round five, and I'm facing Keith um, from the chat. Chromo, he's playing his version of Spike, so it was virtually a mirror match there. Interesting. Uh, his version differed because he played eight crit four draw and left out the mecha instructor. Every other card was the same, I believe, except maybe something in the G zone. And the way that matchup works is whoever has the better tempo is going to win the game. And that's pretty much what it comes down to. So both both games that we played, uh, spoiler alert, uh, games went two rounds. The first round, he rode Spite Bouncer. I missed on my Spite Bouncer, and I had to deal with the fact that he was had a free Spite Bouncer call to in, on top of what I was dealing with. And I mainly just chopped down rear guards left and right. I was going at rear guards with extreme prejudice. I was not letting anything live more than a turn if I could help it. I'm guessing and the reason uh, I, General Safery kind of helped with that, where you can crash into something and then kill something else, right? Actually, no, it didn't help me because I was I went second. Um, he he chose to go first because he wanted to die roll, and he knew that being first in that matchup was definitely better. Because even if you, even though player two gets to stride first, player one if they landed, they get the safe return first, and ah. that safe return is very very important. However, plot twist: he missed on safe re and he rolled juggernaut maximum. Oh, so, buddy. so his uh his grade three turn wasn't nearly as pressing, and since I was aggressive on his rear guards, he couldn't get the filter with the likes of um, Bracky, and his only means of doing that would be if he committed a Wonder Boy from his hand. So I went, I had the first drive turn and went into Agrius and pressured him down, but me trying to keep myself low and protect my own stuff left my hand kind of depleted, so. He, when, when he did his Agrius turn, especially following a G-Guard, he had a full power Agrius to work with, 
which meant that I had to guard very aggressively because I didn't want to stare down getting hit with a critical trigger or two, knowing he played eight crit and then get beat down by his rear guards that came back to visit me again. And that's mainly my my entire concern was getting hit with um getting sacked out by critical triggers. And that's the scary part because you need to be since such a tempo oriented matchup, it's kind of hard to know when to keep or hold that PG in the mulligan. Because you want, because if you keep the PG in the mulligan and the rest of your hand is butt, you kind of wasted a card there. But if your hand is decent, then that PG that you hold can swing the matchup one way or the other, kind of thing. And I kind of remember having a PG or a heal in my hand that I sh- shipped back to deck because I missed on Spike Bouncer, which is the most important card in that matchup, in my opinion, next to General Safery. So he missed on his safe return I had a better aggress setup that I could work with He, I lived his aggress turn and then I swung back with a Picaro turn using the the instructors that I added to the deck to um, attack a lot with the Juggernaut Maximum and I claimed game 1 doing that game 2 was more or less a repeat of that, the exact same thing happened where he rode Spike Bouncer called out a unit and missed on General Safety to road Juggernaut Maximum again. Oh, the poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> and that that game was very close as well because his aggregate setup was very good to where he had like um, Bracky boosted by Wonder Boy with something on the four circle with a booster behind it for an 8k. And then my hand was low, but I had like two damage. So it came down to if he hit double critical trigger or not. And he hit one, but he missed on the second one. And I hit a trigger on my damage check, which took the pressure off. And then I was able to win with a Picaro again on the swing back. So even though it was 2-0, it was very dicey. And it very very well could have went 2-0 in a key's favor as well. And that's what I like about the mirror. Like, it's, it's very pressing. And it's high pressure, but it's quick. So I was able to go to the bathroom soon thereafter. <laughs> <laughs> and look, I think can, we... <laughs> and look, can you suck so I can pee because I had a pee? No, okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's worse than missing on your bathroom break and then running into a slow matchup. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you have to play so focused on like, you need to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Hey, how many cards are in your hand again? Oh, can I look at your drop zone and soul? Oh my god, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> then you hand it to them, they, they give it back, and they're like, oh, I need to see that again. You're like, <laughs> come on, man, I need to go. <laughs> <laughs> just reach across the table, look, you little shit. No, you just start, you just start, you just like, you just like, to whiz on your opponent right there. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually joking, joking about that with um, Tiss from the chat. He was there. And we were just joking, like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just use the bathroom at the table, just stare my opponent in the eye, and uh, start dominating that way. <laughs> just pee like, on their shoes. Your turn, bitch. <laughs> just that smile and nod, like, yeah. Like, are you, are you peeing right now? Yes, I am. Don't break eye contact. <laughs> Wasn't that a whitest kids you know sketch, where, where it's like the the guy's peeing on the other guy's leg? Oh yeah, he's like, are you peeing on my leg? <laughs> He's like, yes, sir. Would you please move? Or, I, I can't like, remember the whole story. No, no, because he's like, your leg was just there. I am peeing, though. 
So at this point, I'm I'm five and zero. Uh, still kind of scared. Uh, we played at table two, so I was, I was fearing that next turn, next round was gonna be at table one on stream. So I was like, oh man, like here it comes, like the curses are coming. And then, and then Tiss was joking that I was gonna play Kevin a joke who was there, and in the next round, and that's Kevin? exactly what happened. Kevin is a very good Bermuda's player and a very good player at um at ARG events. I don't I don't know all his um his credentials, but I know he's topped regularly. Like I think he, I think he came in with a one or two round bye coming into this event because wow. I think he, he won his um his state tournament. Must be nice. <laughs> so Every, and um, peasants are fighting for their wins. I'm gonna go get a sandwich. And, and Kevin is a player that um that John from the chat knows personally as well, and he vouches for him. So I knew he was a good player. So I was like, okay, like. I'm not used to playing uh, well-known people kind of sort of, so I was kind of like trying to keep myself grounded. Are you dying over there, Matt? I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) So round six is, as Tiss predicted, I was playing against Kevin, and he was playing um, the the, um, Superior Ride, Troa, uh, Ainge deck. Which was they tried to um, superior ride and take advantage of the new stride mechanic. Which, if you're at grade three, um, at the start of your turn, right, you can you stride. Start. So the the way around. So what what he does is um, Troa. I forget. I think that's it. The new pink haired girl. You can call her out. Um, Counter blast one. Do some shenanigans and end up riding to grade three Riviere. And then if you're if you're on a grade three, you can stride type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And he tries to, he tries to do that while you're on grade one, so that when you ride to grade two, he can go into stride and then just beat you over the head with a stride turn while you're at grade two and you can't g guard or nothing like that. Sounds uh, and sounds horrible. It's horrible, but the way around that is that you have to give up your first attack if you're going second. So if you go second. You just ride to whatever grade one you ride and pass turn. Because if you don't give them a counter blast, they can't do the superior ride. And it's kind of the old deleter strategy in that you you lose the card in the present, but you save like three or four cards in the future because or three or four damage because you can save that way. However, in this tale here, I ended up going first because I won the die roll. And in game one, he he rode to grade two, did the superior ride, and got to grade three. But me and my dumbness, I didn't stride as I went to grade three, and I just did a regular safe return. And that swung mm-hmm. the entire momentum of the game against me into Kevin's favor. Oh, no. Because uh, doing a, a regular safe return was just three attacks. But with Agrius, I would have had five attacks, one of which with triple drive and a bigger Vanguard swing. So losing out on those two attacks just put him in a much better footing that he was able to abuse his his Ange skills and all the stuff that comes with his GB2 units and being... And Ange is a, a, a really stupid card. I don't know what Bushiro was thinking when he designed Ange, uh, but she is the best grade three at least grade three strider in the game and it's very scary to play against and 
he used that to max benefit and beat me over the head with her skills. So and claim game one. Somebody explained it to me that the Bermuda set was basically the last of Boucherode's like ideas for G. They're like, fuck it, just put all the broken stuff on Bermudas and let's get out of here. Like scorched earth policy on the meta. Let's just fucking watch it burn and then start over. That's pretty much what they did. They gave them everything. They got the best Strider, which can plus four because you can get a GB2 card out of your deck. You can get a draw. You can return one of your opponent's units, and then you can do it again as you stride, which is insane. So you, and then also her own GB2 is you can just superior call the, your card instead of discarding it. Yeah, and then they search out that blue-haired girl, whatever her name is, that gets plus 5,000. Um, that gives three units plus five um, when it's called out through a skill. So he just called out three of those and gave three of his units plus 15 or something crazy like that. So I was like, who needs, who needs gift markers when you can just make your own like that? Yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is what scares me, because, like, Bermudas are going to get more stuff, which means, like, when this they... This deck will be really insane in premium, probably. They're going to have to go in a completely different direction if they don't want to burn the premium meta to the ground. Maybe. I mean, I don't know if they'll care that much. Maybe they won't. Who knows? But... Uh, I just I'm, want V Bermuda to be good because I can't bring myself to care about G anymore. They're <laughs> gonna have to do something. They're gonna <laughs> have to do something because they're either gonna have to make a card that's better than Ainge, and that's gonna be very scary to play. Insert card better than her plus Ainge, <laughs> or they're gonna have to. Yeah, right. ban, they're gonna have to or ban Ainge gift somewhere. Yeah, or they might have to just do a preemptive policy hit on Ainge, and you can only play one in your deck or something like that. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, although you only need one to get it going. So They had the good sense to not let you play Jumping Jill and Purple Trapezus together. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if Ainge was once per turn, it'd be a fine card, but the fact that you can place it on Vanguard, do the thing, stride, and do the thing again like you can with other Bermuda cards, is that's what makes it insane. Mm-hmm. The, um, so, so wait, how did this matchup turn out again? <laughs> oh, I got Bob turn or game one because I misplayed, and then turn two or not turn two, game two. I just didn't have enough push through power to overcome the advantage that Ainge got him. And the um, on his first strike turn, I think he lined up the blue hair girl with the power with the the GB two critical trigger. Ooh! So that thing was suddenly attacking for like forty six and a crit. And I had to commit massive guard to it, which kind of hurt my follow up turn. So it was not; it was an ugly game all around. I, I feel like if I played it differently, it probably would have gone at least game one. I probably could have claimed that one, and then maybe would have gone to three, and we could have seen what happened. But just the way I played it was very sloppy, and I didn't deserve to win it. And then- so that put me at that put me at five one going into the last round. And this is where I started getting scared about my winning in curse because there was rumblings that five twos were going to make it. And even though losing in round six was my first loss, I was still afraid that some shenanigans was going to happen. If I happened to lose, that I was going to bubble out again. So I was kind of, not kind of, I was quite nervous <laughs> going into <laughs> the last round of Swiss. But I had a glimmer of hope 
because when I saw the parents, I was still at table two. So I was like, okay, so I'm still in a pretty okay spot. But that being said, I didn't want to um, take the pressure off of me. And that way I played sloppy, thinking I was already in. So I, I still like just told myself to play, play tight, play clean, and we'll see what happens. So it was a lot of just me trying to stay grounded going into round seven. And round seven, I played against um, standard OTT non-Geese variant. Finally. <laughs> finally finally got to play against Itchy Tom, the thing that I was least wanting to face the entire time coming into the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> the boogeyman. The boogeyman. But it's like you come in wanting not Blah, I can't talk. You come in expecting to see one thing you want to avoid, and then this this new hotness comes up that just scares you, and then you don't want to run into the new hotness anymore, <laughs> and then you rather run into the old thing you once previously feared. <laughs> <laughs> they flip over not geese, and you're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> right? They flip over a uh, lozenge mag, because I was like, yes. <laughs> Regular OTT. So the way this matchup goes for spikes is to keep damage low, but you need to keep a counter blast or two because you need one for spike bouncer early, and then you need one to activate your Agrius. And those are the main two that you need. Beyond that, it's just tanking their their Ichikashima turn and then winning with your Agrius or Picaro on the follow-up turn. And so that's the way that I envision the matchup going in that form or fashion. So game one, I I believe I went first. That sounds right because I wanted to go first because I wanted to get the jump on them before they got a gift marker into their hand. Because when they have a protect marker, they can be just it's much easier for them to live. And safe read is very powerful um, pre striding in that formation. So I pretty much played it out as that uh, got the spike bouncer, put pressure on them. I got the I got a new damage to use and use that I believe I used aggregate or um use Safe Reed's skill to make him bigger to then force a PG out of their hand or force a lot of guard out of their hand because they didn't want to lose their um one of their back row pieces that they committed earlier on so I was like that's fine with me the less cards OCT has the better and then he went into his first drive play. And then I set up for Agrius. <laughs> Same. Same. <laughs> and the game pretty much came down to me discovering the... I believe this is the game where I figured out the the, um, the Panther um, Mech Instructor interaction to attack with plus 15 with Panther and then resolve charge first on Mech Instructor to bind the Panther and call it back out to the same force circle that I had it on previously. Mm-hmm. Because that... Uh, yeah, then attack with plus 15 again. So with one force marker, if you do that, the first Panther swings for 39,000, which is 25... 20 or 30k guard on protect vanguards or it's also that on um, force vanguards too and then you resolve the skill you put it to the bottom bind it and call it back out and then it attacks again for 35 if you use the plus 15k skill on a force circle so 
that was my main key to victory there was to just abuse um, the four circle with Agris and or um, Panther to just win me the game there. And then I game two, um, I can't remember exactly how this one went down, but I remember it came down to a very close play to where I set up or yeah, yeah. So uh, I can't remember. Ah, uh, this is this is a week ago, close to a week ago. <laughs> but it came down to me just having enough with a Picaro sequence, in that he was at four damage. He checked a trigger, and I set up a formation that played around either scenario with um, my mecha instructors. And what happened was that since he hit the trigger, I chose to go with the power setup of my formation, and I, I attacked him a lot of times with the spike bouncer or um with the maximum and that was enough to claim me the game there he had like three cards in his hand with five damage and i was able to claim the game there so i claimed it two two oh against regular geese or not geese holy crap against regular, regular ott <laughs> he did go into itchy tom one time but i was at two damage and he did it right before my picaro turn and he checked no critical triggers, so um, the, the time didn't matter that it was on the board. Sounds like your opponent's very unskilled. <laughs> he, was, he was a really cool guy. Uh, he said he lost that game and then was very hype about um, the future, which is the first person I figured that I run into that was hype about taking a loss. So that was really interesting. <laughs> nice. <laughs> He's probably just like, I just lost to Spikes, what? <laughs> I mean, something about losing to some like a unique deck feels better than like whatever thing is so, currently like raging through the meta. Do you, you know? Do you feel that the new tools gained by Agrius makes the OTT matchup a lot better now? Yes, I do. Just because before you kind of with the old version, the Hellheart 8 deck, you had to find some way to navigate around Ichikoshima and get your G-guards off to be able to do something if they got to Ichikoshima. Mm-hmm. But now, with the standard stuff being here, we can just play a nice, consistent game and hit them for a lot of damage and then have a healthy respect for Ichikoshima, but our game plan isn't dictated by her, per se. Right. Cool. So, so also, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say. Also, this game is where I learned the value of my um, Panthers being at four, because this is a part that I forgot about. The night before the tournament, I was wavering with like s- seven cards in my deck that I wasn't sure what to do with, because in Tess and I had split Mayhem Tiger and Panther two by two, and something told me like. Panther would just be a better option to go with, so I took out the Mayhem Tigers and put in the Panthers, and then the other piece I was worried about was the Mecha Instructors versus the 8 crit lineup, and then I slept on it, and then like I woke up the following morning, and I was like, my gut tells me to go with the Mecha Instructors, so I took out three of the crits, and I put in the three Mecha Instructors, and then called it a deck. But Playing those four Panthers meant that on a on one of my Picaro turns in that OCT matchup, I had double 
double panther. So I swung with a panther, each on a four circle for thirty five thousand. They go back to the deck, and then I can attack with Bacaro, call a full board, and then be able to do my in mecha instructor shenanigans. So kind of turn mm-hmm. Bacaro into like a nine attack um, battering ram. Pretty good. good that was really, it was really really cool. This is making me <laughs> so sick. all good. All, uh, it's just a note, all good tournament reports have, like, day of the tournament changes. It's just how they work. <laughs> what, everyone has the thing where you wake up and you're like, hmm, maybe I should do this. You're like, oh, I, gotta, I gotta make this change. Like, I'm gonna put this card in my deck just because... A, a lot of my thinking this weekend was like, my gut tells me to do this. So I just ran with my gut and played the outcome as it came. And it hey, worked if, out. You can't, if you can't <clears throat> trust your own judgment, whose judgment can you trust? Exactly. So that put me six and one come out of Swiss. I was second place in Swiss coming out of uh, Swiss. I said Swiss a lot there. I was in second place at the end of the seven rounds with 18 points. The cool thing is, is that my win percentage overall was the highest in the tournament because I either won outside of um, the Cogro game. Every other win was a 2-0, and then I had the 0-2 loss in the middle there. Got him. <laughs> so I like that was that's kind of cool. Like I didn't expect that at all. I didn't expect anything that was happening. I was like the winning in curse is off my back. The the being at top table curse, even though it wasn't table one, it was close enough. Uh, I was just feeling I was feeling good and feeling not confident but happy. Right. That I made optimistic. Yes, exactly. I think I said those exact that exact phrase. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so at this but, point, I'm sure you're hungry as shit. What? At this at this point, I'm sure he's hungry as shit. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and that's when um we it was Tis, a couple people from my local scene. I invited them to go with us because they're cool. Um, and then the Team Absolution crew that was there, and then. The judges came with us because they all go, they all hang out together at this one spot where they got Philly cheesesteaks. So I was like, I'm down. I love Philly cheesesteaks. So um, my wife, my wife and I gathered up, and then we went over there with everybody and ate cheesesteaks. Called it the evening. Did you go to the t- two places at the corners? No, like the the popular places. Yeah. Like Pat's and Gino's or something like that. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. No, it was another place. It was like Hog City or something like that. All right, was it, it cheese whiz or like actual cheese though? It was a uh, cheese slices. I don't mess with the cheese whiz. All right, I just needed to know. Take a note. Making me hungry. Is... He has a he has a Philly cheesesteak addendum compendium going on over there. <laughs> Nexus at night, the Philly cheesesteak podcast. <laughs> Look. I just need to ask these questions, okay? It's important. No, no, no. I, I, I know what you mean. Just every once in a while, I'll either get a tweet or a PM from someone. It's like, how do we keep veering off into these tangents? And like, fuck you, it's a podcast. We'll do what we want. How a conversation works, actually. <laughs> exactly, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get back on the main road. So That's you made it point. to day two, right? Check. Okay. And now would normally be the time that we uh, start to talk about day two, but we're going to leave off here. Because uh, I hear that you have a YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> that I hear. You hear. 
There's rumbling. There's rumblings. There's rumblings that Living Proof <laughs> has a YouTube channel where he will put your your top report there, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll put the second part of this nice handy discussion that we're having on my channel. Yeah, and then you can go check out Living Proof and uh, give him a sub or uh, you know a comment and shit. <laughs> Rate, comment, subscribe. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to, but if you want to, if you want to drop by and give me a look, I'll be cool with that. Yeah. No, you should definitely sub. It's only like the best Vanguard content on YouTube. Don't worry. <laughs> put all put all this pressure on me. <laughs> I mean, yep, he can handle it. <laughs> so, I mean, w- w- one more thing before we get into the last part. What do you think the like, aside from your, uh, you know, matchups? What do you think the top decks and premium are like broad stroke broad stroke uh, i think the best decks currently with what we have now is um ott geese because <laughs> this not not because um not because i faced it a lot but because i think it's a very quality deck because it, it's very consistent the the standard stuff gave it another top check outlet um that they can use I think game like two top check outlets. Yeah. Now that I think about th- it, there's a couple like uh, like just on play stry, and then you also have the imperial daughters on right and stuff like that. Also, right. the new triggers gave them just a lot of guard. Yeah, and then there's the grade one seven K. That's just a fifteen K shield body. So mm-hmm. once you're on geese, they can one card forty forty five K, which is daunting to hit over for most clans. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was watching the stream, I was like, "This deck seems just actually insane." It yeah. is, and thankfully, like Spike just happened to have the pieces necessary to hit over it. But I feel like people are going to figure out on both sides. Like the Spike players are going to figure out better ways to play around the Geese stuff, and the Geese players are going to figure out better ways to get around Spikes if Spikes continue to gain traction. Mm-hmm. I think Geese per- is one of the few instances of a defensive deck actually working. Yeah, because you don't really do anything. You just get to geese, and uh, now there's a clock. Figure that shit out or die. Yeah, it's um, that just goes to show how ridiculous defensive cards need to be in Vanguard to like work. Mm-hmm. And it just has all the tools it needs to consistently get those five trigger checks. Because you have your top checks. You got Imperial Daughter slash Amaterasu to check, put a card on top for mm-hmm. you. You got um, Waka, the stride, where it's kind of blast mm-hmm. one, soul blast one, draw a card, put a card from your hand to the top of your deck. That's Probably usually their, that's usually their last piece to use before they go into geese because it gets you that last that last one or two that you might need. And so it's it's scary consistent, and the key is to navigate your comfort level with waiting because you can try to wait out the triggers if you feel your your end game is better than theirs, which is not true for most decks. We need to try to figure out how to beat them before they get to geese, which is hazardous because the randomness of top checks that like the top checks that are out of their control could end up being triggers that they get anyway. So then they get an additional trigger on top of one that they're about to manipulate on their turn. Scary stuff. Mm-hmm. And then um Royals is really good just because Bargul is now unrestricted as starter, so you get free calls there if you choose to go that route. They have a lot of variable options for starters that they can all use. The standard stuff is solid enough with Blaster Blade 
unfortunately is blaster blade centric without many ways or any ways to get blaster blade back to your deck but you can still use those four blaster blades you have to their maximum capacity to be able to beat people down with it i mean you can use that uh the loot rate three the on rider call put a blaster on bottom but like it yeah, that, that's it doesn't hazardous. have a force gift, by the way. Exactly. It doesn't, and it's not an Alfred, which their current build is centered around getting Alfred and Tarnus right. to put pressure, put forces down. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's just like virtual, or like the option is inferior to the other options. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think spikes are in a, in a very well spot. Like not not because of, not pure bias, even though I am kind of biased because this is my favorite clan, obviously. But I think the standard stuff gives them a nice leg up to where they can contend with most matchups that are present right now. Like, there's obviously bad matchups out there, like Mega Colony being a thing is a not a fun matchup to go down. But you still do well enough against the majority of the field uh, well enough to where I think they're in a good spot to continue to do well. Um, Kagro, obviously, like... It's either going to be Overlord plus Destiny, or you, you might go modified standard with um, Waterfall as well, just in case you get to it, you can beat them over the head with a Guard Restrict. Yes. That gains a critical trigger. Critical trigger. Um, Bermudas, the the Riviera deck, or the Superior Ride deck that Kevin played is in a good spot right now. That's in a spot to get even better when their Bermuda stuff comes out um, relatively soon. So, I think those are the... I'm trying to think of what else I saw this weekend. Tom Water? Or Ichi yeah. Tom, sorry. Because yeah. you said OTTDs, but not... Like, is Ichi Tom at the... Because th- this is the new, like, fuckling joker in premium, is Ichi Tom. Holy shit, we gotta ban it. Um, it's, it's, um, it's definitely scary, but you need to play a game to where you try to mitigate it as being a contributing factor to your loss. Like, sometimes it's kind of out of your hand because trigger checks and whatnot, like, they might just go Ichikashima and rip two critical triggers and you suddenly phase down Tom at five. That happens, but sometimes they don't get it and you're at two damage and you can just tank the rest of the attacks and win on the next turn because it's a, it's a decent commitment for them, even with the, the draw and the protect gifts to where if you mount enough pressure, you whittled that hand down to where Ichikashima on her own can't do the work for them, which is how Mm -hmm. I played the matchup myself. So there's, it's scary, but I don't think it's restricted worthy. It's just that some people, the general populace may not want to try to figure out their way around it, and that's why they want it gone. Everyone needs a boogeyman. I mean, the... My favorite thing was that Boucherode bothered to go, all right, there's a ban list coming out August 14th, and nothing changed. Yeah, we changed absolutely nothing. At first I was annoyed by it, but then as more info came out about it, it makes sense why they did it that way. I heard that they previously announced that they were going to, on the previous ban list, they were going to re-examine things in August already, so this date was like kind of a, a lock for them. So they've held, they just like, all right, so here's a announcement on the ban list. I just kind of wish they didn't announce it a week out. I wish they just kind of just dropped it in there. Yeah. But I guess but I guess that extra week gave them another week to evaluate things. 
And then they were like, oh, we think things are pretty okay. There's nothing that fits our criteria for band worthiness. So we're going to just keep it moving from there. Now, I wish that that information was more readily available about the announcements to where we can kind of expect it. Because I, I had no clue that they planned an August announcement like this. So that's that's my only thing is I'm, I'm less annoyed by... The, the no hits, more annoyed by just the lack of clear communication of distributed information. I'm just I'm just annoyed that we were Charlie Brown and Butcher Road is Lucy, you know? <laughs> come on, come kick the football. It'll be fun. What? So, I, I mean, I'm, I don't know why everyone was surprised about no change in the ban list because this is what Wizards does all the time. They're like, ban list update this time and you're like, okay. And then the ban list comes out it's like, no change, it's any format. And you're like, alright. Oh, so so this isn't like a unique thing. This happens in other card games too. Yeah, this, this is okay. just. I mean, except not Yu-Gi-Oh because Yu-Gi-Oh is crazy, right? But like, oh, yeah, in Magic, it's very that. often it's just nothing will happen. I mean, it's like I think I would be less annoyed if it was like, all right, we check it out every few months, and what Proof said, kind of, you know, what you like. That's what they do. Every few months, they check it out, and then mm -hmm. you know, say when they're going to do it. But like you said, just the don't hype it up. <laughs> <laughs> I just better communicate it. That's all yeah. I ask. Yeah, makes sense. But um, but yeah, those are the main those are the main decks I would feel have a good footing in premium at the moment. You're gonna see and Mega Colonies in a good spot too, because even though it um it didn't perform well as a collective unit this weekend, there's rumblings of things like the antlion combo being a thing. Um. Grindora and Dark Fist are still solid because mm -hmm. they can just stall the game down even without the protect markers. Um, the Machinen build is still good um, just for locking down Vanguard over and over again if you can get there. So Ben Colony has pieces. Yeah, um, I mean, they're, just, they're, they're just trying to figure out a, a consistent deck to go with. The, the, there needs to be a living proof for Mega Colony. <laughs> I need to find like the, the guy who's like willing to like focus his attention on the one thing and just really kind of you know, deep dive. Oh, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're out there. It's yeah. just that it's kind of hard to hold your interest. I'm just a maniac sometimes. It's a maniac, <laughs> maniac. Please. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. Any any last things to say about uh, Spike Brothers and Premium or anything like that? For this video, no. Just come check out part two on my channel where we dig down into top 16 and I might give some more insight that might pop into my head at that time. Sounds like a plan. Now, uh, Proof, you, you haven't uh, gotten to do this yet, but uh, we there's, there's a game we like to play. Uh, Ruby, I believe it's your turn this week? Yep. There it is. So, uh, so I have two packs with me. One that's probably reasonable and one I don't think any of you will get. This is going to be great. So, uh, <laughs> to, to first-time listeners and proof, uh, the way the game works is Rupert is going to read off uh, the name of the card, and the three of us have to try and guess the grade, power, and still of the card. Um, okay. And the clan, if we can. So, uh, yeah. <coughs> Close your internet browser and let's get this going. Plot twist is going to be a spike card. <laughs> <laughs> it's the original spike visor. No. I know what that does, too. <laughs> Alright. Dragon Knight Razor. Oof. 
Wait, like, Razor, like, the Nova Grappler card? Oh, no, that's Razor. Never mind. Please. <laughs> R-A-Z-E-R? Yeah. Oh, God. Uh... Would you like to know the set? No, not yet. I want to see if we can figure it out. Um, this is a cargo card. That's what that's where I'm at so far. Yeah. Uh, if your grade three cargo is placed on Vanguard Circle plus ten thousand power, ten uh, ten T grade three. No, you got the skill right, but not the greater power. Oh, grade shit. two ten K. Hmm. Did you say grade two ten K? Or grade two nine K. Nope, it's an eight K. Dang it. I just great to exist. I mean, because <laughs> usually with something like that where you just completely forget the name, but like just guess like 10k interceptor or <laughs> just some, yeah, something right. generic that everybody got, and you'll like get it. You have like a one in three chance of getting it. All right, the next card is Stealth Beast Chain Geek. Geek like G E E K. Yes, lad geek. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a chain geek. I know. <laughs> what? Think, what the fuck is this card? Uh, you see, I'm really into chains and shit. You know, like... The, this is some like ninja. The, the way the links interact. And <laughs> so, Nubatama card, question mark? Stealth uh, Beast? Yeah, Stealth Beast. Sounds like... Is Nubatama more Akuma, so you gotta narrow down there. Yeah. Yeah. Chain geek. That's what I meant when I said ninja. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, I, knowing that the other card was Kagero and this was either Nubatama or Murakuma, it also might narrow down the set. My set knowledge for non-Spike stuff is very limited. I can't <laughs> say I blame you. This is GBT 13? Close. Oh. No, 13 was, 13 was Spike, so that's not this one. Oh, oh GBT 12, right? <laughs> nope. Go higher. What? 14? 14? Yeah. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Kagero and 14? Oh, there was. So this that was is the Nubatama. purge set. That was the purge oh, set. Nubatama or Murakumo, right? Nah, this is gonna be Nubatama then because that was but, Ren. No, no, this is original BT fourteen. Oh, oh what? Uh, Get out of here! Get out of here with that! <laughs> Jesus, brilliant strike! Oh god! All right, I barely so, bought into this. I'm not gonna remember it. Uh, this is Murakumo. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea what this does. So Murakumo. Old Morikumo did absolutely Eight nothing. Kids. Right. <laughs> Best friends. I have I have no idea. I'm right. completely stumped. Well, it is a grade two eight K Vanguard rear guard continuous. During your turn, if the number of Murakumo rear guards is four or more, it gets plus three thousand. Oh my god! It's so nah, that's like that's all I said. Fourteen power level right there. <laughs> it's a Heyo pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, this is something everyone should know. Which of Grapes Grappa? I know this one. Alright, Grade 2, 9k, Genesis, when put in Drop Zone from Soul, Soul Charge 2. Yes. White, white Snake Lady. Uh-huh. It also specifies if you have a Genesis Vanguard, because it's from that time. Okay! <sighs> Whatever, close enough. Whatever. <laughs> Dark Knight Stealth Rogue Clog. Like the shoe? What? <laughs> Where are they getting these names? <laughs> Oh god! Oh, this is this quintet wall? Nope. I tried. That's not a bad guess, though. Um, it sounds like a grade one six K. Nope. Seven K. 
No. Bummer. Uh, I'm stumped. <laughs> Same. It's a stand trigger. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> That's another one. All right, we're at the fourth card in the pack, aren't we? Whoops. <laughs> yep. Messing up. All right, we are now into our rare. Maiden of Cherry Stone. Oh. Maiden of Cherry Stone. Neo Nectar card. Yes. Grade 2, 7K. Check top card. Um, if it's grade 2 or or if it's grade 1 or greater, call it. It's like a Devil Summoner clone, I think. Nope. Dang it. Well, because remember, it's a rare, so... I don't think any Devil Summoner clones are rares. They're all common. Oh, okay. Um, Cherry Stone, because... Is it one hit counterblast two draw? No. Damn it. That was that was a um, maiden of um, rainbow something I think. Oh uh, yeah. Maiden of cherry stone. Cherry stone. It, uh, I remember this card being needlessly complicated. It sounds like it. I think it's like if there's a copy of it on the board think, or something. No, I think it involves just a different card. No, it doesn't. You mean actually. like you mean like tra- trailing oh. roses? Um, uh, no, apparently it doesn't actually. Tra- wait, what are you talking about? Trailing rose was uh, a persona blast. Do you mean the other, uh, the, the Maiden of... Uh, no, there's like a rose? Grade 1, Grade 2 Maiden of Garbage. Is this the 9K Limit Break booster? It is not. Uh, dang it. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah, those are usually common. Yeah. Uh, Alright, so... On Rear Guard, when an attack hits a Vanguard during the Battle of its Boosted, if you have a Neo Nectar Vanguard, you can put it on top of your deck to search out a copy of itself and call it to R at rest. Wait, uh, huh? I could have sworn there was a, another, like, Maiden of Cherry or whatever that, like, tutored for something else related to, like, with a <laughs> similar but different name. Whatever, is, I can't. That card is bad. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Why did they it, have to call it, it attacks, There was no reason to. Like, it, it attacks so that it can look like it attacked. Got it. Uh, Alright, this right. pack was awful. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, the whole set was awful. This, oh, this set had Narukami in it too. It had a um, yeah. Ignition Dragon. Okay, uh, the, the one you were you were thinking of, Proof, is a Maiden of Cherry Bloom. Okay. So at least when, that was close. Yeah, when it hits a Vanguard, if you have a Neo Nectar, search your deck for one Maiden of Cherry Stone. Call it rested. Why? Why are they doing this? There's no reason to do this. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> so okay. I had the wrong. I was thinking of the wrong half. Oh, yeah. yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now for a set you'll probably get absolutely nothing for. Absolutely. Even harder. <laughs> this is going to be some obscure extra booster. Okay. No, it's just going to be a clan that no one except me cares about. Oh, this is going to be fun. Oh, it's a Bermuda set. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. No. Why? I hope he opens a wedding SP or something. I wish. I wanted to. I- all right, so the first card is Cho Cho Selvis. Oh, dick. Okay, uh, I'm gonna get absolutely zero of these. Is that Sylvest? Yeah. S E L V I Z. S E L V I Z. You better not be looking this up. I'm not. Good. <laughs> I thought you said Sylvest, like the the um the Great Nature Grade Four. Oh, no. Of knowledge. That'd be pretty impressive if you opened it from a pack. <laughs> Worst misprint ever. And it had Chocho in the name? Dang. Uh, let me guess. What, what, put something on bottom of deck, draw a card. Nope. Worth the shot. When this well, card is returned to deck, counterblast one, soul blast one, discard 20 cards. Search <laughs> your deck for a Chocho unit and call it. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> wait, wait, right. wait, I, 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 think I, I think I have it. So, uh, this, was, this was old Chocho cards. I, we'll yeah. Put on the bottom of your deck, Counterblast, Soul Blast, discard 20 cards, mortgage your house. <laughs> sell your oh, sell your these are the choo-choo cards? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I know zero of these. I'm out. Yeah. Sell your firstborn son on the black market and, uh, and let your opponent punch you in the face, draw a card. Ooh, All right, sounds so, pretty good. So what it actually is, is a grade 2-8k. You soul blast one. When your other unit is placed on rear during your battle phase, you can pay cost. If you do, choose up to two of your other units with Chocho in their name and they get plus 2k. If you have a Chocho Melvis and Chocho Malvis on your vanguard or rear guard, this unit gets 4k until end of turn. This sounds yeah, like all right, the worst so I think the card off ever. I think the card I created was slightly better. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, mine's game-breaking. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Mystical Motion Letheta. Uh, Is this a seven-card pack? Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm gonna guess a vanilla crit trigger. No. It's not the, oh, fourth, it's not the fourth card, remember? It's a seven-card pack, though. I don't remember where the trigger is in a seven-card uh, yeah. pack. I've also opened zero seven card packs in my life. That's not true, but it's pretty close. Yeah. All right, it is a grade zero four runner. So GB one put in the soul when an attack hits during the battle that it boosted. You can pay cost. If you do, give one of your rear guards five k, and at the end of the turn, you can return it to your hand. That's Whoa, terrible. this card would be really good if it didn't say GB one on it. And on hit, yeah, that it boosted. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next is Lunchmaker Ika. I remember the art for this one, but it's a grade one seven k. Yes. Okay. Ooh. Um. It's in the clan Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> yes, obviously. <laughs> uh, every week, one of us figures out a way to kneecap the other two. Just like. <laughs> <laughs> brutal. I, I had thought that the unwritten rule was no one's going to pick Bermuda, but here we are. <laughs> I mean, rules were made to be broken or something. I don't know. Uh, uh, no idea. <laughs> All right, so you choose a card from your hand, put it into your soul. When it's placed on rear. If you have a grade two or greater vanguard with Rivera in its name, you can pay cost, draw a card. Oh my god, it's awful. Nexus at night, the dead air podcast. <laughs> Why is it so bad? <laughs> All right, dual Oculus Lumisia. I didn't even like, know that. What? I didn't even know this card existed. Are you wait? So this is a pack that you've like vaguely paid attention to. It's a vanilla cards, stand trigger. And no. The, and there are cards that you didn't even know about that are in. Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> vanilla crit. I try, guys. No. Um, is it the zero? Is it the great uh, zero power crit trigger? No, that's in the set after this one. Damn. Oh, this was even the first Chocho set where cards were just really bad? Yes. Uh... Right. So it's a grade 3 10k. You Soul Blast 2. When it's returned from hand to your hand from rear guard, you can call it to an open rear guard circle. And then GB1, Counter Blast 1. When it's placed on rear, you can pay cost. Uh, choose up to one of your other rear guards, return it, choose one card to... Heard from your hand call to an opened R at the same column as this unit. Ew. It's awful. I know. Alright. Teacup Fairy Ruhan Ruhan Ruh... Teacup Fairy something... No. Fuck. 
That that almost sounds like a, a neon actor card. Uh huh. But it's not. It's a heel trigger. Oh. Fuck! <laughs> I had a twenty-five percent shot. I stuck to my guns. All right, sweet prism Nailum. One of my friends played prisms. I feel like I went. I was the friend that played prisms, probably. Choose one of your units. It gets on hit, retire opponent's trigger. No. Close. Oh, I tried. Oh, when it's, <laughs> it's returned back to hand, soul blast one, get a copy of it, give your rear guard something ridiculous. That's duos. No. Duos are the ones that search copies of themselves. Oh, I, I forgot the plus four. I forgot you the guys plus are getting there. close with the soul blast one return to hand. Okay. Oh, well, I already knew that was part of it. Yeah. It's, it said prism. I forgot the plus 4K, didn't I? No. Damn it. Soul Blast 1, return it back to hand. If your Vanguard is Labrador, she gains a skill. No. Dang it. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So, when it's returned from hand, Soul Blast 1. Wait. Oh, when it's returned to your hand from your battle phase, Soul Blast 1, give one of your prisms uh, at the end of the battle, ba- it attacks or boosts, bounce it to your hand. Oh, this is much worse than I And think. it's a draw trigger. Oh, okay. Still would better off with an on-hit retire. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I wish Bermuda had retire. And then the last one is Chocho Sagiri. So, th- this is the rare, right? This is the other rare. Oh, right, I forgot they give two now. Um, yo, the prism card was a rare? Jesus, okay. <laughs> okay, l- literally I hold every, like, rare to the same standard that you hold things like Violence Franger, where you're like, why is this a rare if Violence <laughs> Franger is a common, you know? I don't care if he's a Hulk ripoff, he's good, but... So, Cho-Cho, I'm guessing you can, re- when it returns back to deck, you give something plus five? Close. Ooh, Okay. Da, da, da. I, I, I got like the, the the joke has ran itself out that Matt and I yeah. know literally nothing. So it has two skills. One is on rear guard, on hit, counter blast one, put another Chocho to the bottom of the deck, draw a card. And then GB one once per turn. When the rear guard is put into your deck during your turn, choose one of your units gets four K. And it's a grade two, nine K. Boo. Sure. <laughs> it sucks. All oh, this is terrible. Boo, Andy. Boo. Boo, Andy Tesperator. <laughs> All right. Boo. Well, that's that. Yep. That stump. And that, 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 that was like so. It was like fucking walking through like oatmeal. Just. Uh... <laughs> Why? Collectively stumped. Con- congratulations, Rootbeard. You made this a slog. <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, uh, at this point, um, this is where we do the where, proof. Where, where can people find you? To uh, you can awesome find content. me. You can find me on YouTube. Uh, likely, you can probably just search "Live and Proof VG," and my name might pop up. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, "Live and Proof VG," 
And if you come across some of my videos with my old Discord link, you'll find me very commonly in the Discord chatting it up. Yeah. Yep. The, uh, bo- both of us also hang out in there a lot, so you'll you can come say hi while we're. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, like I'll I'll randomly pop in there when I when I like have a second at work. <laughs> um, <laughs> giant awkward bear coming in, and uh, yeah, so. It, you, you, you all know the drill. Find us on Twitter at Nexus at Night, me at Atlas Novak. Me at Wiggins 2 gs 2 zs Me at Plasma Eclipse. And uh, thanks again, Proof, for coming on, and congratulations again on your win. Appreciate yep. it. Yeah. And if you, want to hear how, if you want to hear Top 16 played out, come over here to my channel. Hell yeah. Until next Do time, it. I was Atlas. I'm still Matt. I'm Root Beer. And I'm always Proof. And have a good night, everybody.